Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Changes. It's Annie McManus here with a really special episode for you. My guest this week is Goldie. He is first and foremost a music DJ and producer, but he's also a really successful graffiti artist and actor. Instantly recognisable for his shaved head and his gold grills, he has permeated so many different layers of culture at this point, from nightclubs to TV reality shows to movies dating everyone from Bjork to Naomi Campbell. He's kind of an institution in his own right. Goldie started out as a graffiti artist, living for a spell in America, before coming back to London in the early 90s and discovering jungle and drum and bass music. It was one night where he finally got into the nightclub rage in London for the first time after trying for a few months that everything changed for him. It made me feel fucking amazing. It just made me feel, I have to do this, I want to be that. You know, hearing this music and seeing it, you know, the silhouette of a DJ playing it, the mystery of Fabio and Groove, all of this amazing sound. Well, it's safe to say that Goldie did it. He not only immersed himself in the sound and the culture around drum and bass, but he elevated it massively. In 94, he launched the now legendary music label Metalheads with the DJ duo Chemistry and Storm, Kemi being his girlfriend at the time, who then later tragically died in a car accident. In 1995, his album Timeless went to number seven in the UK charts, selling a quarter of a million copies and revolutionising drum and bass music. For me as a 17-year-old girl in Dublin, Timeless was a completely alien sound. I had genuinely never heard anything like it. It was so enticing and mysterious and thrilling and it kind of represented a whole other world. It made me curious for what was out there beyond suburban South Dublin. It kind of contributed to me wanting to discover England. Goldie was born Clifford Joseph Price in Walsall in 1965. His mother was Scottish, his father Jamaican. He was raised in children's homes in the West Midlands and by foster families since the age of four where he was physically and sexually abused, something which he discusses in this episode, so please be aware if this could be triggering for you. He now lives in Thailand with his wife and his youngest daughter. I think he has five children in total. He loves to go trekking in the jungle. He is mad about yoga and still completely immersed in music and culture, as you will hear. Such an honour to have this time with Goldie. Welcome to Changes. Goldie, this conversation is all about change, but can I start by asking why you decided to call yourself or how you got the name Goldie? Well, when hip-hop came, the culture of hip-hop, for me, was seeing the culture of hip-hop. I saw these videos, and we used to sample videos from Gladys Knight and the Pips or Malcolm McLaren, and we'd see Rocksteady Crew, and we'd see graffiti in the background, and I was always fascinated with, you know, the culture of it. 
I gravitated more towards the art because I loved art and uh, graffiti yeah. was the thing. Before that, my whole family, when I kind of left the care system, went to Wolverhampton. My brother and all of my kind of stepbrothers all were kind of, all had dreads. And I kind of had to follow suit. So, you know, you kind of getting beeswax and waxing your hair and, you know, wearing caps yeah. and stuff. And and, and I, I realised very, you know, after a couple of years, I couldn't spin on my head with dreadlocks because it didn't wear that well. So I ended, ah, okay. up, I ended up cutting my hair and having one lock. <laughs> it was, wow. Because it was Goldilocks and then it was just... It just ended up being Goldie, one lock, and then it was just Goldie. I always thought it was from the grills. No, it wasn't at all. That came later, much later. It was because, wow. yeah, we were in a crew called Westside Crew, and uh, we all had our name on our Adidas green tracksuit, and mine was Goldie Locks. And then Amazing. I just ended up not having the locks there anymore. It just became Goldie. Yeah. And then, I'd, of course, yeah. everyone's like, and I'd, I kind of started getting the gold after that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's get straight into the first question, which is about your childhood change. You mentioned being in the care system. You mentioned your family. You've had just a mad, like, first half of your life. Um, <laughs> so colourful, so highs, lows, all of it. But do you mind bringing us through the biggest change that you went through as a child, that you think? Well, the biggest change really was, I guess, music was always my solace because I think I, think I went through a lot of abuse being young in the care system, which is unfortunate. But... You know, the older I got, the more I realised I was not the only one. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You almost feel like, I'm the only one, and you start playing this really small violin. Yes, all this stuff happened. Um, but that was the biggest change because it really upset my natural path of growing yeah. up as a, as a child. It's only disturbing when you look back on it, really, and it starts to affect your adult life, so to speak, like getting a girlfriend and being normal or... Mm. which is kind of why we share a very strong interest that I think Gabor Mate has been an amazing, yes. in modern times, Sam, along with Sam Harris, who's another great, great mind of modern mm. times, that really helped me a lot, especially on the back of what I'd gone through and understanding that I wasn't to blame for a lot of the trauma. But you see, that it pushed me into this this thing of music where um, the music became something different. I was always, I always love music. All kids love music. I don't care what it is. But I think being in the care system and being in the homes in particular, when I was moved around, I found music was the place I'd, I'd run to and I'd lock myself away, listen to music. But we'd have like half an hour on the stereo every weekend when all the kids went back to their kind of broken families or whatever they went back to. And there was a certain amount of kids left inside the home. So it was kind of almost like a skeleton crew of people that were working at the children's home. And we'd have a stereo every week to, to play music for half an hour. And I'd go to a record shop called Ruby Reds in Wolverhampton, um, mm. where I used to roller skate, because skating was my passion. I used to live on yeah. skate. For, for about five years, I lived on quads. That was my thing. Yeah. And I'd, I think I'd ran away. I'd finally had the balls to run away from this children's home. Because everyone ran, everyone there was always runners. Every, that was just a pattern. People just it did was that. a thing, like you know, the front, the front, and and, I, and we'd be counting the days of how long it's going to take them to get caught. Um, right. And you see the police car turn up, and all the kids run to the windows, and then the, the, the kid walks out the car and walks down the driveway, and he gets straight, straight into the office. We have to exit the hallway into the playroom, and then they'd be you see them have this walk of shame back to their room, which they were banished for a couple of weeks. And then as soon yeah. as they integrated, it was like, what was it like? What, you know, it's like, what did you see? What did yeah, you see? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and it was it became this thing, and I'd I'd never got round to doing it. I just, and then I finally did run. 
Um, but of course, I just ran back to my skating rink. <laughs> it wasn't going to be very hard right. to find me. Um, so I'd, <laughs> I'd found I'd found a really mixed bag of music, and the main song for me was Logical Song. That 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 super tramp that changed my life. That song because lyrically it was it was. What are the lyrics? Uh, when I was young, when life was so wonderful, so beautiful, what would you say if you was calling me a radical? You know, it was the idea of it was the idea of this speaking to your soul. You know, it was it's about yeah. me. This record is, and I guess that's what every great yeah. that's what a great record is, isn't it? A great song yeah. is something that touches you in such a way. And um, it was this idea of freedom that the song had gave me, and it was conscious. When I was young, it seemed that life was so wonderful, a miracle. Oh, it was beautiful, magical. And all of us it's in interesting that first line, when I was young, when life was so beautiful. Like, as a child, did you find beauty in life? Was there parts of it that you found beauty in? <sighs> well, it was because I'd always been an odd, I'd always been an oddity, and I'd been at odds with myself. So in my normal everyday life, it was, I've got to say, it was fucking miserable. I had a fucking miserable, I had a miserable time growing up. So you kid. were in care from four years old? From four years up old until up until I was 17. Yeah. Much. So I'd moved yeah. to about, I'd, I was in four homes, three foster homes, it didn't work. And the abuse started when I was in, I can't name them, um, but I was there and the sister was adopted and I was fostered. And she started on me when I was about, I think it was about seven, she started on me. She was about 17, 18, and it just became really abusive. And it was kind of like, don't say anything or you're going to go back to the home. And that was, yeah. I was terrified. And of course it got more and more and it became this thing where the rejection, you know, this, I'm like, why is this person coming to me just at night time <laughs> when everyone's asleep? Right, right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I, and I'd have to go into their room and it was sneaking around. It was horrible. It was a horrible experience. And the parents had no idea what was going on. No, well, they were, the like a, they, were, they were, you know, a, a, a religious family. I don't know, whatever the, right. they were. Um, and it became this, it just became this horrible thing. And to be honest, I loved music, though, and I'd got into music and it was the one thing I had that was, that was good. But, yeah, it was good. pretty miserable. I also felt that when I was in the home and started talking to other kids, that they'd, they'd all been through a lot of stuff. I always always to be the joker in the class, hiding, but like the Smokey Robinson, Tears of a Clown. I became that. Were you shy, like, and in the homes as well? Were you were you a shy person? Were you did you kind of stay in the shadows, or were you? I like, was right in the in shadows, the but, but I was I was bullied a lot, so I became the kind of if you're going to join the gang, you've got to let us give you a kick in at the end of the night. Right to G to GBH police oppression. Yeah. yeah. You know, you've got to be part of the gang. You know, you've got to take a smack in the face. Yeah, yeah. You know, take the piss out of him. So you kind, you kind of found your place in this kind of little punky gang I found. And and then you, you just get beat the fuck up or you just, you end up being the guy who everyone turns on at the end of the night when I've had a few beers. Right. You, get, you know what I mean? So so it got a bit crazy for me. And then you're still, still kind of finding my feet. But then you find your clan. You you you, you originally you you don't find your place in, in it. Mm. I used to always have to be the kid that went home early because obviously you got to get back to a certain curfew. Right. Um, but then you had a sense of community inside the home, and there were some good moments. Like my waypoint, I have waypoints. I don't have. I have this idea of what's a waypoint. Like a waypoint. Like a ship has a waypoint. Like this okay, way, got you. This ship's going in one direction, and it hits a waypoint, and that changes the direction of this person's life. 
And for me, like, you know, I know every word to Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band because that album, it was an eight-track going to Derbyshire camping with the kids. And it was the best holiday ever, camping. And it's really Freudian sense of beans being cooked on a stove outside with bacon and being cold, you know, just outside of a sleeping bag, but warm inside and and going out and walking across the sand dunes and... You know, got making your way through Derbyshire, you know, then to Wales and then coming back to Bakewell and all of these amazing places. There was this mixed bag of kids that were all from different backgrounds. So my musical background became Steel Pulse, UB40, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's Cats the Heathens, you know, the Supremes, mm. you know, Miles Davis. All of this music came to me over the years, but it was so multicultural my music background of course yeah i used to work at a saturday morning garage in woolen hall you know we'd when the boss was away we'd we were making these fake guitars with plywood and welding rods because it was a garage and we'd after the boss went out we'd turn up the stereo on the right you know this kind of cassette player and we'd play rasa yeah. snorvikas from beginning to end you know yeah. so i was a little bit of a punk a little bit of an upstart finding out bob marley was mixed race blew my mind Oh, it wow. blew my mind. I'm thinking, he's yeah. not, he's not black. He's, he's actually mixed race. Um, yeah. And that blew my mind because I thought he's, he's like me. But I was weird. There's these weird thoughts of. I remember my father taking me from my mother's house. He took me, he kidnapped me, and took me to London. What age would you have been? Sorry, I would have been about four or five. I've been about four at this right. point. It was the kind of reason why I'd gone back in care because I was with my mum. She was doing different things. It wasn't working. I was left alone for a long period of time. My dad had found me somewhere and took right. me. And I always remember sitting in the car with the kind of one bench seat as opposed to separate seats, which was weird. And it's, a, it's this, these memories come flooding in of, of him on the motorway and taking his hands off the wheel and clapping his hands. And we listened to music on the radio. And I was thinking, yeah. he's driving without no... He's driving no-handed. It was just freaking me out as a kid. Yeah. But these thoughts and memories... Of all this music coming in to, to my cortex, this weird and wonderful stuff. There are these musical moments that, that directed my life. And, you know, mm. being, being put into a room while I was being processed and finding logical song on a gramophone, of which I pulled the arm down and kept playing over and over again, crying my eyes up. And then the matrons coming in and my social worker, who I really liked at the time, Miss O'Connor, she was my kind of pillar of strength of like, she, she felt normal, like normal to me. But in this strange place and being dragged out of this room and, and being taken to my room, which really freaked mm. me out. But then moving to Hammerwich, where I'd heard John Holt for the first time. Yeah. You, you know, all these weird and wonderful songs that, that became, that kind of galvanised my mind. And one in particular that really stood out was Judy Zook, Stay With Me Till Dawn. The back-end quartet string arrangement on Judy Zook I think was really responsible for me getting into chord arrangement with timers mm. even. Wow. I wonder what it is about the human mind that in those first kind of formative years from like zero to ten, those memories kind of dictate the rest of your life. Like you're so much more sponge-like. I suppose there's less in there, so everything that comes in is more powerful to impact mm. you. It feels like music, you know, as you say, that's such a lovely way of putting it, those waypoints. It's kind of like, yeah. it's like your compass. It kind of helped you through. It's in studying, you talked about the brain and how those formative years, yes, they do shape the entire life. Yeah. Uh, and I think that when I look at the work of Gabor Mate and, and really go into that, 
it is so true because you think these records had impacted me and I wanted to, I never thought I was ever going to make music. That was something that was so far beyond me, even though I had this such a passion and love for music. It was only in so long. I'd never, I never made my first song till I was twenty-seven. But you made, you made art, and I, I suppose that's the thing. Like thinking about you, reading about you, reading your story of your life. You're a true innovator. You know, this podcast is about change. You, you're an artist in that whatever medium you pick up, whether it's a spray can, whether it's a, you know, an eight oh eight, whether you know, whether it's a, a piece of clay that you sculpt. You're coming at it from a from a place where you are creating something. And changing that, you know, changing something. I don't know, it's really hard to describe, but... Well, it's alchemy. It's alchemy, it's, it's, it's a, alchemy. That's it's what a, I want to talk about, alchemy. alchemy. Yes. Well, it's alchemy. I've always had the idea, because I've... Because I got involved in the arts and I understood... I know it sounds really weird to people that might not know this. You know, this thing that, that people call graffito, which is, which is from Latin, graffito, the idea of putting your mark on society. Yeah. We've all dogs have always pissed on lampposts, yeah. territorial, leaving your markings. You know this isn't new. This isn't this is this, you know the Greek philosophy and the idea of leaving your mark. Mm. The media just changed. The medium that we use has just changed. That's all. Yeah. And I'd learnt from these early ideas of getting into goldsmithing, and th I always thought to myself, I was fascinated with melting gold. And I have it here. I have the, the what you've written about it in your book, and I found this bit so powerful. Uh, it says, uh, what you're talking about melting gold to make grills. And you said, knowing I could change the structure of something precious that was seemingly so solid and unchangeable led me to believe that I might also have the power to melt some of the hardened feelings inside myself, which had fused and melded together in the crucible of the darker times of my childhood, and maybe reshape them into something more positive. The awareness stirred inside me that I had the power to shape the world around me for the better. Boom. Oh, no. Boom, I don't know. These things, I can't remember that, but yeah. It's beautiful. Yes. It makes so much sense, I think, when you read that. The idea of being able to break something down and build it up into something different, you know? Well, I felt that with the music is that my approach, you know, we'd had this great jungle and jungle and drum and bass has been, again, the underdog of the country and the world for such a long time. The bottom root of the electronic ladder it was, yeah. has always seemed to. I'd worked this, the alchemy inside of the culture... And then I thought, well, my contribution to that would be to understand that I can take roughage, all of these top-line bits and pieces of songs that I like, like Japan, a bit of David Sylvian, <laughs> and, and in, embrace that within this structure of, of music. And, of course, that's why the label was created. Metalheads is an idea that, the, you know, the skull, the music will be here long after we've gone, the headphones, music will be here long after we're gone. You know, we'll live and die within the music. Yeah, and 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 also wanting to create a platform for artists to be able to do what they want to do within their own alchemy. So that's always been a very important thing for me. And of course, it took a long people a long time to catch up. There's always this thing that people looked at drum and bass as this this disposable kiddie music, but yet I always felt it was the uncle under the stairs that no one wants to invite to the barbecue because he's going to tell the kids what it's like. <laughs> don't bring Uncle Goldie down. No, 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 no. Don't bring Uncle Shy effects because he's going to just tell everyone, you know what I mean? No, 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 don't bring Dillinger. No, no, we don't want Dillinger. We want something softer. You know, and, and yeah. it gets, it, it was this thing that we, we were doing this stuff that we loved with a passion and we wanted an environment to play it in. You were doing it always from the start, doing it differently. And you listen back to your albums now and... <laughs> 
fucking hell man they're so raw they're so raw like listening to them in the context of reading your books and understanding your life and then listening to the albums you put so much more into them you put pain into them you know you have these big huge ambitious you know orchestral arrangements you know so much more than what jungle was i think at the time i don't want to speak for the whole of jungle but it felt anyway that you you brought a different slant to it we're telling a story and this is our story you know mother is not an easy feat it's not an easy feat i don't expect anyone out there to be a fan of it you needed to make that record you needed to make it we should specify for the listeners that mother is how long as a track mother's one hour long one hour, hour long, long. Yeah. Well, the whole point of that record was to, 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 to deal with pure alchemy, the universe, conception, all of that stuff. can we talk about the 90s 94 metalheads was started 95 timeless came out 96 you're going out with bjork 98 saturn returns with mother on it that was a fucking busy decade for you me and scotty call call them the golden years it is the perfect polaroid i mean you were really really famous i mean you still are but like in the 90s it must have been a very peak well, the 90s was crazy because, you know, the, the whole Björk thing was crazy. Yeah, the paparazzi were outside the house every day and all this madness and craziness. But remember, you've got to put it into context, man. When Timeless won the award for the Mobos, when the Mobos award looked like it was something that was given away at a fucking, uh, <laughs> at a bingo sale. Yeah, it was like something you'd got an award when you'd run a race when you were five at the local primary school, right? And you got Timo's best dance album, Right, best jungle act, when there's only a few anyway. But you're yeah. up against George Michael, Destiny's Child, Jamaraquai, Timeless. It was, it's so weird. It's so weird. At, at, that, at that point. But I think that that's what was great about it, being so far ahead. But you see, it was the catalyst. Every person took the checkbook out for this music. You know, everyone got, anyone that was on so, the label. So, so it got passed down, so a lot of other people won the, from the, Timeless winning. Groove Rider was pussy like this. He always says, you put a lot of food on a lot of tables for a lot of people. I he remember there's, says a, there's a story actually that he says, is it him or is it Fabio saying that there was a wedding and they don't specify whose wedding, but there was oh, a no, wedding. Oh no, it wasn't good. I could say and it. And it was a car park full of the most incredible cars <laughs> and they were like, well, we're doing, drummer bass is doing good. Jungle's yeah. doing good. Yeah. Yeah, there was a time when we, all, we were all driving Ferraris and being nutters and being crazy. I remember that time. Goldie, can we go back to like the man behind the music for a bit? So the 90s we know was bonkers on a professional level, like just so successful on a creative level, so inspiring. But what about on a personal level? Well, on a personal level, I think I did more drugs than Al Pacino. I think definitely I'd I, I think I'd opened a Pandora's box. I mean, my, you know, my addiction came through 
you know, this want of something I couldn't have. When did you know? I was fucked. When did I know? When I when, when did I know? When you're sitting in the fucking, you know, sitting over six in the morning, no drug dealers answering their phone. You yeah. know, crawling around on your hands and knees trying to find drugs or whatever you've hid them in. Do you know I mean? And, and I've realised it was it was too much for me. It was just way too much. And I so think was it constant? Was it every weekend? Like oh, every night. I, I remember. Right. One, I mean, I remember the peak of my addiction. I'd, I think I was doing like three, four row hypnol a night with a, with a liter bottle of vodka, and three row hypnol, four four row hypnol to try and get back to sleep to knock out. Right. Oh yeah, to you can knock out. Yeah, and an eighth of gear. Do you, do you yeah. know what I mean? Oh, trust me, I'd. I'd done everything. Um, and then I just got so sick of it all because it's just something that you can't satisfy. Mm. And and I think that's because there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot of unanswered stuff, and it's only until Saturn's Return. Saturn's Return got crucified by the so media. So that was the album that had Mother on it, which is the opening track, which yeah, is an the hour opening track. long. It is my black opera. It is my, mm. my, my thing. I think that that album took a lot of effect, but I knew the minute I stepped in or stepped out of the closet... Yeah. With that record, you know, to say that I'm an addict and to say that I'm all of these things, but this is prolific. You know, that album had Karis, one, Noel Gallagher, David Bowie. You know, there was a, it was a big... Did it get the reception you wanted? No, it didn't, but I knew it wouldn't until many years later. It just went like, it won some crazy awards in Paris, you know, like four years ago. People yeah. recognised that it was re-released. and But the thing is, it's like, you have to understand, man. On pre-internet, it doesn't bother me. Did, did certain albums that you realise that were released by the greats probably didn't get the same? That's, in in my opinion, true artistry is this kind of fearlessness and, and this kind of real commitment to self-expression, regardless of other people's opinions. You have to you have to express this pure emotion, pain, whatever it is you are going through. You have to put that into that record. It had to exist at that time. That's the point of making art. It's my job to upset the apple card. It's my job to to make that vibration in the water that you might not be able to see those patterns in that water yet. Yeah. I've grown up in this music, so I get to do what the fuck I want and say what I want. I wanted to ask about, you know, the, the idea of tribes and music giving you tribes, graffiti oh, giving God. you tribes, hip hop culture giving you tribes, but also coming from children's homes where they, as you say, you are always around a group of people. Do you feel like your kind of path in life has led you to always be part of these kind of chosen families? Mm, yeah, that's a very Freudian one. Yeah, Sorry, I mean, that's my terrible at cod. No, but, but it's I like it. No, it's good psychology, mm. and you, you know, and, and mm, powerful she's becoming. Um, <laughs> I, I believe strongly that that no man is an island, and trust me, I've been lonely in addiction where no, no one understands it and gets it. Going down the rabbit hole and being, you know, through there and then finding better healers, whether it's ayahuasca or different things that kind of bring you to the mother and bring you to this place of, of mm. understanding. That's the difference. But tribes have always been in my life. They've always been like New York and finding a group of people that have got broken families. Oh, I'm not the only one? Great. And I'm thinking, yeah. my mum was this and my mum... Well, their mum was all the same. Oh, actually, mm. my dad's on crack. Really? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Just, you got caught. You got, you got arrested for doing angel dust. Yeah, and we're out here on the street and we're painting trains. It's like, wow, I thought I had it rough. You know what I mean? So, so I've always done that. And I think reinforced, you know, going there and seeing these guys. And I'm saying, guys, the clubs are playing the music. Ah, oh, fuck it, G. I don't really want to go out. Well, I'll go out for you. Give me the music. Give me the drop. Like, I'll go. I've mm. created that pathway. 
I've always had this thing about creating tribes. The label mm. was a tribe, a melting pot of ideas, I like to call it. You know, just, just have all of this wonderful music together and share the sound. And Metalheads has this sound. And it's probably the only one left that, that stayed intact. And it's, you know, never kind of been a major player, really, in terms of selling to a major. And But tribalism is the key. You're finding your own identity within it, right? It's a way to help shape yourself in the world. You know, I'm just thinking of you, young you, listening to Bob Marley for the first time, finding out he's mixed race. It's kind of that, isn't it? It's like there's well, people out there like me, there's people out there. The thing you said about tribalism, it's been a very strong point of it. And I think DMB became its own tribe because for so long DMB was so... Isn't it mad when you listen to DMB now, it's what we were doing 25 years ago with a nice little sample on the top of it. It's for any, because we were so far ahead of it. Yeah. But but it's the passion of the music that people love. It's the energy that DMB gives people. It's like you can't beat British passion uh, for this music. I remember my daughter playing me something, going, Dad, I'm at a rave. And they're playing this tune, and it was a rip-off of, um, of Pendulum. And I'm like, let me play you the original. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> And it's like, I love that Goldie's your dad. No, yeah, you need to hear the original. Yeah, yeah, love and it. it's great because I mean, it's not like they're coming in on the back of Dad. Listen to this. I went out and went to this party, and this is Diana Ross tune. You know, we're yeah. playing. They're going out. This is a DMB. Yeah, that's great. So the starting point. point the starting point. Is starting DMB. point, man. There's, mm. I mean, there's a girl from Game of Thrones out raving at you know at Fab oh, yeah, Reaper. Maisie. Yeah, Maisie's yeah. out there loving love it. it. Everyone love loves it. this music. People recognise what we've done and they're finally going, you know, Metalheads is, has been this has been this thought war thing. And you always say, go back to you. But this is me. talk about the adult change and you talked about that point in the 90s where you realized that the addiction was consuming your life and it was taking too much of you how did you change like look at you now you're you are the picture of health you are oh, like you. yeah you're a yoga like, passionate spelt. yoga guy yeah. meditation like you seem so happy you've got your lovely daughter you've got your wife in in thailand how have you transformed your life it took a long time i mean it took a long time the yoga was the crack. That's what cracked it for me. What was it about yoga? Because it's like a club. It's hot. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a room. It's heavy. It's too much. It's like, but especially hot yoga for me. But I, I guess, I guess going back to the fundamental issue of it. Yeah. I love Bikram because it was, you know, it's like turning my body left and right, backwards and forwards, like a sponge. It's, it's rinsing it out and I'm sweating loads and it's really hot and it's 40, it's 40, 40 degrees. It's baking hot, and there's a mirror there, and I get to see the ugly version of me. You talk about it in your book where you say the first couple of times you couldn't, you had to walk I out. I walked out. Because, because walked emotionally, out what was going on? It's emotionally, so it's just too much. But what does going... it do to you emotionally? Uh, it just brings up a lot of feelings. It just started bringing up a lot of stuff. Right. You know, especially with men, backward bends for men, for example, it's a fact. Yeah. It's yeah. a science, guys, that men bending backwards, they just don't like it. I'd always find bending backwards would cause me to cry. 
because you're opening up and you don't know what the future holds. And if you couldn't, you know, it's that idea right. of commitments, finding out, like going into the unknown, right? But there's also yeah. the idea, you know, there's some, some great yogis that I've worked with, but the, the simplest postures, baby pose, I can't do because I have, to, I have to be into a ball, right? But this is because of the, 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 the trauma in the fetus. Yeah. So it's a, triggering to, to uh, you uh, as a baby. Be, be, being in my mother's belly for nine months while she drank and got beat up and kicked around mm. and hearing... It, trauma, mm. it traumatizes me. I can't roll into a mm. ball. Mm. I can't. So, Still, that, isn't that incredible? The power of your head on yeah. your body. Yeah, well, that's the that's the, the head on the power of the head on the body. But also, that's why mother. If you have the time to listen to mother, that first five minutes and six minutes is about gas, air, and water, which is the universe. But then, when you start to hear water, the sound of water is when you're conceived within the womb and yeah. that water becomes your holding space. You're held in water. Yes. Okay. Yes. And there's another five or six minutes where you start to hear water and then you'll hear it's ignition and you start to hear flames and gas circulating, which is the idea of composition of your own body being made up and growth. Like a fingernails begin to appear. The, the fetus eyes begin. This, that is a, I mean, for me as a conceptual piece, it's beyond me, but it's what's come from all of the traumatic experience. It's like the idea of, of experiencing the trauma and understanding where it comes from is, is what, how I survived it was by looking at these things and latching on to, I'm not broken, I'm just fixing myself because it's, I, I kind of needed to go through this and, and you start so, to find so these things. So it's the idea of knowing that you can be fixed. Yeah, it's knowing that you... You have the power to do it. You have the power to be able to fix yourself because no one else is going to do it for you. Mm. Like, you, you know, I choose the wrong birds. You know, it's the same, people got the same shit as me. I've got to deal with their baggage and fucking mine. Just, yeah. just get, just get out. You've you got to break it. And I think, I think the Hoffman process was another massive change. Can you tell us about that, please? Yeah. Yeah, the Hoffman process was the, really the next big change because the Hoffman, you know, I became a, a an ambassador along with Thandie Newton, actually, who I never, I didn't know for a long time was. Well, I we didn't reached know out. That yeah, Thandie's yeah. been, been an ambassador for them for a long time. And Patrick and, Cox, who's on this podcast yes, this week, he, yes, he quotes well, that give, as the one thing to have saved him. Yeah, well, you know, that's crazy. I mean, that's mm. that's what I think, you know, and I think that look, we all we all get this given this this we're made up of these things that are inside a box. What the Hoffman does, he takes everything outside the box and then goes, Yeah, these are the things that are inside the box, but then he dismantles the box and says, How was the box made? But how does it do that, Goldie? Like, it's not that long that you're in there, is it? It's something like 10 no, days. No, it's not. No, it's not. But I can't tell you because his mum's a word. Oh, it's you're a not, secret. Like, not, oh, you're not allowed, but it's But it's not, it's, but it's not, people kind of, kind of made it like very cultish. Like, as soon as I got out of there, I was like, right, well, I mean, I'm getting divorced. That's it. Great. I married my mum. So you I'm had done. clarity. Clarity, yeah. complete clarity. I realised I wasn't, this wasn't right and I'd married my mother and I was, I married someone that was never going to love me in the way that I wanted to be loved, ultimately. Or that you needed to be loved. Yeah, because because you yeah. always find this idea of needing to be loved, mm. um, and then you, I think the Hoffman's very important because it challenges these things that you would not dare challenge, and you write a set of exercises and you you come and do all of this stuff, and there's a lot of physicality that happens in there, which is pretty intense. 
you know, of, of the screaming and the beating and the, you know, of, of, of objects. You know, the, the, the modern, modern times take modern things and the Hoffman kind of rolled that wave of understanding that society's changing. It's vibrating differently. Right, OK. Why did it work for you? I think it worked for me in a way that I understood the empathy of my mother and father. Right. I understood that my mother was 12 and she was getting beaten by her dad and she became an alcoholic because of her dad beating her. And she mm. ran away from home. And every time she came back, he beat her more. So she ran away to be a pub singer. So she was a kid at one point. Mm. So I forgot that. You know, I, I always blamed my mother for putting me into care. Yeah. I always blamed her for doing that. Deep down, she went, it's my first son. I need to make I need to get him as far away from me as possible. Listen, it's not just one thing that's going to make us, because all of the stuff that gave us our trauma in life wasn't just one thing. It wasn't just yeah. one somebody give so you know somebody fucking did that to you just once. No, they it's repeated, a system. It's a system. They isn't repeatedly it? abused you. They repeatedly put you there. They did all these different things. I, I was really angry with males. Anyone that was in power, system. I was always angry because you know you sucking dick in a fucking mm. Wendy house with his, but I can't see their faces. So you can't blame anyone. So you blame all older males that have authority. This person's responsible for me, and they're fucking abusing me. Yeah. So I had a real, ba- I had a hard time with the system. Anyone yeah. that will tell you that fucking police and fucking anyone who's in a uniform, I'd have a really difficult time with homophobic for years right really badly because and all my fucking mates are gay do you mean because you know i shared a room at the hoffman with a guy that was gay and i was like i've got to change my room i can't stay in here i had the best time so we were like two naughty schoolboys that had to be told you guys you got to be quiet man because we were laughed i got to know this person in another world because they knew when you you know i filled out these forms of what my fears were and i had to be really honest and and because of all the abuse, and it's like, well, this isn't this guy. This mm. isn't his story. This is mm. me, again, with my narrative. My, me, 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 my narrative. Change the fucking narrative, man. Well, you know, so the idea of changing the narrative, and especially Gabor Mate's idea of changing narrative, which is, for me, the idea that you've got to look at these other stories. This isn't just about you. And if you can unravel yeah. a bit of that, you can have this empathy mm. to understand that your thing has just been something you wasn't even allowed to process yet. That's all. And so the idea of allowing myself to just turn up, just go and just be in yoga and turn up. And then I started to cry a lot and see the ugly me and these layers started falling away. And also being occupied by this set of 26 moves, 26 postures twice, just to put me through the paces, to have this regimented thing because the regiment was good for me because I was always against any type of regime. Yes. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, because you grew up in a system of rules. But it's, it's, it's very important that we step back. There's one quote, and the quote is, I've made so many mistakes in my life that have brought me here. I'm thinking about making a few more. <laughs> you know? So the other idea is that, you know, if these things that, 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 that you think might be, you know, not good for us, all of a sudden, you know, they, 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 these moves that we listen to our heart and we... We go and do these other things that are different, like the Hoffman, or we, we, we need to change the narrative and do something different with ourselves. And, and the mistakes that were made earlier on just led me to this place. So it's about us getting out of survival mode also. Yeah. I'm a good survivor. 
Oh my god! Also, I could survive, um, but I don't want to be a survivor anymore. No, you want to be a thriver. You want to do, yeah. I want to yeah. be a thriver, not a survivor. Hey Goldie, so last question we always ask is, you know, clearly you are making changes all the time and constantly working on yourself, but is there a change that you'd still like to see within how you live your life moving forwards? You know what, I'm... And if not with you, with the world around you? I think it's good to get yourself off social media for a little while. I think it's good to be able to switch off. I think, like, try and treat it with that aspect of can you, though? Mm. That's a question I ask people. Can you put your phone down for a week? Because I can. Will you keep DJing, Goldie? Um, How are you feeling about that, about being out there on the road? Do you think you'll keep uh, doing it? I don't know. I thought I'd stop when I was 40 and I'm still going. I always wonder when... Yeah, I mean, I always say to to Scotty, I'm going to stop. And I just did these six in America, these six gigs, and the summer was insane. Right. I just think maybe another year. But this... this, (laughs) I'll be talking to you in 10 years, you'll be saying that. But these these six were... good man I mean I shouldn't do it but I played in Houston and I was booked for 90 minutes I played for 4 hours I mean there's your sign what does it say well there's my sign isn't it I don't know it's just there's so much great music and there's so much amazing DMB here at the moment it yeah. really is I don't get sick of it in that sense I love the label I love the music I, I love the fact that I can go back I can be a time traveller yeah. and go back and forth in time with a set yeah. I've never mixed music at home. I swear on my daughter's life. I never mix music. I'm saying, this is a set I'm going to play out tonight. Yeah. I know what the first three tunes are, and that's it. And the rest, I'm just going to do that. Goldie, thank you. Thank you so much for this. It's been epic. It's been fascinating. I really appreciate your time and your wisdom and your, your story. Thank you. I'm never going to Let us know what you thought of Goldie. If you want to read his memoirs, there are two out there, both excellent, I have to say. One from 2003 called Nine Lives Goldie and the latest from 2017 is called All Things Remembered. It's really clever because it kind of, the book is structured in the same way that Goldie's thoughts are in that it's quite um, vignette stylistically. So there's just different chapters about different periods in his life but it's not chronological like a typical memoir and it makes for a really dynamic read go and check that out if you fancy we'll put a link to that in the show notes and also obviously like it's been such a joy revisiting Goldie's music for this episode but go and check his music he's still making phenomenal music if you listen to my last show on Radio 1 you will have heard me play the track I Adore You which is a really good example of just you know how amazing the music is that he's still making. Goldie mentions some pretty heavy topics here. Remember, if you have been affected by anything raised, there is always someone to speak to if you need. You can reach the Samaritans on 116123 and we'll put the helplines in the show notes as well. We mentioned Gabor Mate and Patrick Cox. Those recent episodes are available, obviously, if you want to listen back to them at any point. 
Please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to Changes. Tell your friends and your family too. And we will be back next Monday as always. Changes is produced by Louise Mason through DIN Productions. See you later. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.